Cast. I'm Steve Cuff, and joining me from OptimismVaccine.com, it's Steve Coleman. Hey, man. From OptimismVaccine.com, it's Sean Glynis. Hello. And from OptimismVaccine.com, it's Adam Myros. Good evening. Are you are you seeing a like a trend here? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It's a, I, it's a very very diverse group we got going. Um, White Myros, boys. <laughs> yeah, you know, Myros. What have you been up to, man? What have you been watching? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking, uh, well, we, we had some this weekend. I went out and grabbed some more. Uh, Irma Gerdness by uh, Shorts Brewery. <laughs> I thought Classy you were going to say you are drinking some pumpkin beer, and I was going to, I don't know, <laughs> punch you through the, the screen. Uh, yeah, we, we drank a lot of pumpkin beer. There's going to be an article about that. You'll see it soon. Don't worry. It Was, it, was it worth it? Was it worth all the pumpkin beer that we drank? We drank 40 different pumpkin beers this past weekend for journalism and science purposes. Was it worth it? Of course. Of course. Of course. No. no. Of course, of course. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Oh, God. I've I never got... been like more sober and felt more sick in my entire life. <laughs> what if you had like a stomach flu or something? Oh, I guess that's true. But at least you'd yeah. be like delusional from the fever. This is just like, I don't know, if you tried to slam like a 12-pack of Smirnoff ice. This is probably what it would feel like. Shout-out to uh, Tormino's Pizza of Lansing for saving us midway through. That is true. We, we That's got a what I'm putting pizza. over this week. A pizza so big, they had to like tilt it to fit it through the door. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> Quality za, baby. I'll tell you what I did this week. I went to the movies, man. I saw I saw the Green Inferno. Ask me how that was. How was hey, the Green Inferno? Hey, hey, how was it, Steve? You really don't have to ask, Sean. Even though I just told you to ask me, it was it was not good at all. Huh. I, I think huh. it's it's probably the best Eli Roth movie I've ever seen, but that doesn't really count for much. No, better There's than a, Cabin Fever. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't have Ryder Strong, so that's obviously a strike against it. But other than that, I'd say it's probably a little bit better. I think the movie, because it takes place in the jungle, and so you have, like, this beautiful, lush green jungle, and then these, like, there's a lot of, like, really striking color, so it just sort of naturally lends itself to being visually interesting sometimes, even though it's not trying very hard. Uh, But it's... It almost feels like anytime something good happens in an Eli Roth movie, it's a complete accident. Like he's just somehow stumbled into something good happening. It's he's sort of like the Zack Snyder of horror. I don't know how he does things. Well, now Steve Cuff, uh, a question from Steve Coleman. Yes. Um, this movie is about cannibals, right? It is about cannibals. In the trailer, it looks like there is a gentleman who gets eaten by ants. Yes, horrible so looking is it CGI. Not a complete ants. cannibal movie, then. No, no. I mean, you know, there's there's ants and there's uh, there's death via gunshot. Um, there's a suicide. Yeah, no, no thanks. Is um, there like a Holocaust or perhaps a Faroe? Cannibal or purist sort? over here. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. If I, if I'm paying my nine fifty that I earned working all week at Wendy's, mm-hmm. 
to go see a cannibal movie. I don't want to see somebody get eaten by ants. Yeah, really bad CGI ants, too. And that part of the movie is kind of bullshit, because he doesn't even die. Like, he gets mercy killed at some point. And I'm spoiling the shit out of this movie, because you shouldn't pay to see it. Huh. Uh, oh, well, and, and, and I got also a, a, girl, a girl poops her pants. Like, that's a whole scene in the movie where oh, they're just sitting around. They're like, guys, what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden she's like, I got to make a poopy. And there's this, like, horrible joke poop noise. It's about time. It's about time we've we've reversed roles, you know. I'm yeah. tired of seeing guys poop their pants. This is – I might go see this this weekend. And in the horror genre too, like realistically, mm. not enough people poop in their pants. Sounds progressive. That is true. That is true. And also, is. I, I found yeah, that this much. movie, when I talk to people about it, like retelling what happens as almost like a comedy is almost better than how it plays off as a horror movie. So, for instance, uh, this girl poops her pants, uh, and then after she makes a big poop, uh, <laughs> she sees they they get fed some food, and ooh, didn't see this coming. They're they're eating one of their friends that was you know killed and cooked earlier. And so she, she pooped her friends? Well, I mean, no, she pooped and then she ate her friend. So she poops, uh, she eats her friend, then she discovers that she ate her friend because her friend's tattoo, like the skin is like floating in the mush. What so, if she ate her poop of her friends? Well, that would be even better. Uh, so she, You'd think she they'd smashes, like skin, uh, skin the friend, right? You'd think they'd skin it. They, well, yeah, that's they, they gave them it's like a potato. Yeah, it's like a potato no, or, or a good applesauce. You, you want no. the skin on. It's like Colonel's extra crispy recipe. You don't mess with it. You keep the skin on. That's right. But he described it as mush. If you're like stewing the meat, I think I'd probably skin it. Uh, I got a question question for you guys. Sure, sure. What are you guys drinking? Water. (laughs) Wait, I already answered this question. Then we got off got. I got to finish my poop story. So. Oh, okay. She takes the poop. She eats her friend. She's upset that she ate her friend. She smashes the bowl that her friend was in. And then just slices her throat and kills herself with the bowl. So then, one of the guys—it's actually—it's—it's it's one of the kids from Spy Kids. One of the titular Spy Kids is in this. Movie. So she she gives herself a real bowl cut. Yes, she <laughs> she does. Hell of a bowl cut. Better than like mine in six. Taylor Lautner is Taylor Lautner. <laughs> so the, one of the Spy Kids has weed on him. He stuffs the weed down her dead corpse throat. And then two of the people get away because then they go to eat the dead girl. And when they cook her in their cannibal oven, they all get high. And, and that's what happens. That's, that's a big part of the plot. That's like a fourth of the movie is that sequence. Well, that's the best you can hope for. Yeah, really, you know. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. And hey, speaking of horror movies, did you know that Jeepers Creepers 3 has finally been greenlit? And how appropriate, seeing as how we saw not one, but two movies by the director of the Jeepers Creepers series. Wait, is he on for three? Yeah. Oh, he's on, baby. He's on. It's a sell the joint. Hey, before we get into that, I got a question. Okay. What are you guys drinking? I'm drinking Kirkland's seven-year-aged bourbon. Kirkland, like like Costco? Costco? Exactly. <laughs> it's really good. It's really good, actually. I believe and it. Affordable. Man. Their vodka's solid. God bless Kirkland. Yeah. Huh. What about you? Cuff. Just water, man. Water. Clean living. That's what I do. Tap or bottle? Uh, tap. What do I look like? Ooh, 
a nice draft. What kind of tax bracket you think I'm in? <laughs> Got to watch out for that lead content. Yeah. I heard. Fluoride. It'll get you. <laughs> All right. Let's let's talk about the horrible things that we watch. Hey, do you want to know what I'm drinking? What What are you? No, drinking? not Sean, not really. Sean, has this? Yeah, has this been a, a, a plot just to tell us what? So you Is this a new you're podcast drinking? you're working on called "What Are You Drinking with Sean"? It's called uh, "What Are You Drinking? What Am I Drinking?" What are you drinking, Sean? <laughs> you're begging the question here. It's actually it's it's not a huge uh, surprise. It's just some New Bud Holland Light. beer called a Carhartt Woodsman. I think it's sponsored by Carhartt, as in the workman's clothing line. So you're you're wearing like I don't know factory worker pants beer. Is that was that what you're drinking? Yeah, and it's a barrel aged pale ale, which I've never heard of before. I can't taste the barrel, but whenever I hear Carhartt, I think of instantly of like leaves and a sweaty sack. <laughs> That's all it is, man. I think of in, impenetrable pants. Impenetrable <laughs> pants. That's the best kind. Hence the ball sweat. <laughs> Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Oh man. So what? What are, what are we talking about here today? We're, we're talking uh, about uh, beverages or something? Beverages. Victor Salva. Um, <laughs> well, you bring up Victor Salva. Uh, one of the movies we did watch, Powder, actually turns twenty this month. It does. And should we should we start from the beginning? Should we start with Clown House, or should do you think we should dive right into Powder? What do you guys want to do? Just weave it right in. Should we give a little context about Victor Salva though before we even talk about Clown House? Sure, Steve. Tell us about tell the world about Victor Salva if you don't know who Victor Salva is. Aside from well, Steve Coleman's mentor and favorite director of all time. <laughs> oh fuck you. <laughs> Well, yeah, Victor Salva is a director still working, still gainfully employed, um, <laughs> somehow. Um, during production for his debut feature, Clown House, um, he uh, molested the uh, lead character of the film, who is a 12-year-old boy. Yep. Yep. And so he served time. He served time. Uh, I believe he was sentenced to about four years, four or five years of prison was released on bail for good behavior after about 18 months, I believe. After being a bad boy. Uh, after being a bad, bad boy. Oh, we God. Should, we should probably note, too, this isn't one of those situations where we have to legally cover ourselves by going allegedly or something like that, because not only was he convicted, not only did he serve a small amount of time in jail, but the whole reason he got caught was because he videotaped the act. So yeah. it's, it's all uh-huh. there. I'd like to posit he was framed. <laughs> oh. Well, maybe we should check the mise-en-scene. <laughs> Which, Jesus. I mean, he definitely isn't doing himself any favors with either Clown House or Powder. <laughs> no, he, he is <laughs> or, not um, at all. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so Keepers. keeping in mind, Clown House is gross, and it's kind of gross and weird, but if you know like the director's story and what context. was going on that with the context, it becomes even more gross and even more weird powder. I would argue is possibly worse only because it has these strange, gross, weird moments, but this was five years after he did all of these horrible things. And then the Walt Disney corporation in their infinite wisdom said, you know what? Let's give this guy like $30 million. Let him make a movie. Why not? That he wrote himself. That he wrote himself, exactly. So he was, like, pitching this to people. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Well, the script was just too good to pass up, I think. 
Well, and his his mentor, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus, his mentor it was Francis Ford Coppola. So somehow this horrible child molester who makes shitty movies still has the confidence of major movie studios and like iconic famous directors. I think I think the message out there for uh, Pederis, um is that hey, it gets better. And just come forward. It gets easier. Is is this is this your hashtag campaign that you're starting, Sean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that'll go over really well. So, Victor Salva, horrible child molester, terrible filmmaker. Somehow people still keep giving him jobs and money, and no one really bats an eyelash at this stuff. And I think he flies under the radar a little bit more now because I don't know why there wasn't more uproar when Powder happened. I guess the kid from Clown House rightfully, at the premiere of uh, Powder, he actually protested outside of the movie, and he was, like, handing out flyers that said the director of this movie is a filthy child molester, which I can understand that. So once he gets into the realm of making genre films like Jeepers Creepers, Jeepers Creepers 2 – People just sort of give him a pass. Nobody seems to care because Jeepers Creepers cost like a million to make and it made like a hundred million. So, I, I mean, that probably plays a role too, unfortunately. He's a gross human, needless to say. But quite talented, you know. <laughs> at, at what exactly? Framing a, a young man's buttocks on a, a, a screen? And I, I am talking about both the movies here. So, oh. in Clown House, there's there's multiple scenes, which, by the way, there's, there's quite a cast in Clown House. It's, uh, it stars uh, Sam Sam Rockwell. His feature film debut. His feature film debut. Quite a cast. Sam Rockwell and Tree. And, yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, there was a cast. <laughs> there was a cast. So, Sam Rockwell and his feature film debut. But also, the movie, in the opening credits... One of the one of the big credits that flashes across the screen, like right after the leads, is and as Chizo Tree or is it Tree <laughs> as Chizo? So Tree as Chizo, there is a man named Tree who plays a character named Chizo. I believe Tree is said. a professional clown. He's a professional clown. Wouldn't but wouldn't you say Tree the clown to differentiate him from like the thing that grows in the ground? No, that that's uh, that's amateur clown stuff. I think you get promoted as you become a better clown. You just have the name like Bozo. But Bozo I mean, was just Bozo. I, I'm pretty sure he was called Bozo the Clown. Well, for the TV show. Uh, well, but yeah, I mean, yeah, if you saw him on the street, you probably didn't need the like. Clown. Hey, <laughs> yeah, it's like hey, Bozo. The clown. You would know right away. Uh, that's Mister the Clown to you. Even even Bozo's assistant Cookie was just Cookie. I, I did Cook, not know not that. Not Cookie the Assistant. Did you not watch Cookie a lot of assistant. Bozo the Clown? Hmm? Did you watch a lot of Bozo the Clown as a child? Absolutely. Every morning. Uh, from WGN Chicago. Oh, I've seen Lord. my share as well, unfortunately. I always dreamt of winning that crisp $100 bill. One of my uh, my best friend growing up, his brother uh, was on Bozo the Clown, got to shoot the, the, uh, whatever, the ping pong balls. Yeah, it was six ping, six, six buckets. You had to shoot a ping pong in each one. Every bucket, you got a prize. It's usually yeah. like Matt's cookies or like some sort of toy. Oh, and then if you got to the sixth bucket, you got a crisp one hundred dollar bill, which got more and more wrinkled with every time because like so many kids never got to that sixth bucket. 
Do you think uh, the the clown and the titular clown in in Clown House is uh, was Chizo? Uh, Chizo, I believe is the word. Oh shoot, Chizo. Do you think like that was like uh, Victor Salvo's like surrogate? Ah, uh, possibly. Although I well, would argue for another surrogate in powder. Yeah, I, I think I think the surrogate <laughs> is quite clear in powder. It's almost like uh, Mr. Salvo feels like he doesn't fit in, and yet he's the the savior of mankind, a cinematic yeah. messiah. We'll get but he also, gonna... oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, because we're already starting to get into this stuff, like what 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 it means on screen given the context. Like, usually, I think all of us and the discussions that we usually have, like, try to situate the film away from from directors' intentions or their lives, but it it's really hard in these films to not it's so gross that and so apparent that it's hard to to not detract his yeah. crime away from I, unfortunately I what's happening i agree 100 mm-hmm. percent. well and, and yeah. there's certain things where you you can't help but think about it like you know oh i'm watching a woody allen movie and right. woody allen is playing the main character and he's dating a 12 year old then you're just like Mm. Or every yeah, every movie of the last like five years of his has yeah, the basically. same relationship. Yeah, basically. So you know that that kind of makes you wonder a little bit. And this movie, and, and both Powder and Clown House are weird because I've uh, you know we're we're used to the idea of the male gaze, and you sort of become almost <laughs> desensitized to it uh, when it's it's aimed at women, and you don't really think about it, and it, it it's so so jarring. When that kind of male gaze camera behavior is turned towards young men, which is what we see in both Clown House and in Powder. Uh, and mostly under 18 men. If they're over 18 as actual actors, the characters are teenagers exactly, under 18. Exactly. That, it's, that's the, uh, it's, the, it's the gaze male gaze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that the male G-A-Y-Z, is that how you would do that? I don't know. Sure. Well, uh, I mean, that implies that all gay, not yeah, all gay no, men no, are, I know. Well. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We don't want to run that. Yeah, we should, we should probably clarify. Well, no, and, and I mean, you could. But there is something, yeah, we'll we'll broach that when we get to, to Powder's third act. Sure. Well, sure. see, I, I feel like one of the more interesting aspects of the Powder would be that he, he basically takes a post-pubescent uh, teen and – Strips him of uh, hair and whatnot, and it basically, you know, oh. reduces him to a prepubescent state in order to leer at him more effectively. Mm-hmm. Get all that gross stuff out of there. And I think, I think leering is that's that's the key, the key word here. And this is what separates, like, oh, the camera lovingly following a character to, you know, this this whole idea of this creepy male gaze, almost like stalkery point of view. And there's just – there's so much gross shit. Like the thing that really sticks out to me is there's this part in Clown House. Well, I mean the beginning of Clown House, one of the first thing you see is like a little boy's butt. Like that just happens and you're like, what the fuck? And the kid that was molested by Salva, by the way. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's your introduction to that character. Um, but the one that sticks out to me is there's this scene where uh, Sam Rockwell is running from Chizo the Clown and – he runs into like this, I guess it's like a liquor store or something, and he knocks over a shelf and he, and he falls on some Twinkies, and the camera just sort of like oh, just God. like swoops down. It's it's leering at like his little Sam Rockwell taint, and there's just like a 
a, a smush creamy Twinkie like just smashed <laughs> into his ass. And the camera, yeah, the camera just kind of like sweeps around. It's like, mm, look at that pastry butt. As he moaningly pulls it off. Yeah. It's weird. It's jarring. It's it's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Well, I bet it's just to pervert things like Cheezo's base clown act. It just like, you know, he's making standard clown faces at all of it. Just takes out this like sexual overtone that's just oh, really sure, distressing. Sure. It is distressing once you know these things. And again, just something about the way he handles a camera, man. It just it creeps me the fuck out. Um, it sort of actually reminds me of somebody went into the uh, the code for the video game Metal Gear Solid Five, and there's a, uh, a a female character named Quiet, and th- she's pretty like heavily sexualized in the game. So they swapped her out uh, with like the the actual player model with a male character, and then they just ran all the cutscenes. So you have all these cutscenes where there's just like this guy with a handlebar mustache wearing a trench coat just like gyrating and shit and the camera's just like following his ass and you know you realize just how jarring these things can be and that's how i feel when i watch victor salvo's movies it's it's a little terrifying yeah oh jesus myros what the hell is powder about i was a little uh, confused it, 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 I, I don't know have you ever seen edward scissorhands is this a superhero movie, but the superhero is a lame douchebag? Is that? It's also it's it's like a superhero, Christ introvert, like super composite. Yeah, I saw so many um, references to different movies in in uh, in reviews like Charlie and E. T. and Elephant Man and Edward Scissorhands and well, it, it phenomenon. That's, that's blah, doing blah. this movie a lot of favors because I'd take any single one of those, including phenomenon, over this movie. Maybe oh, yeah, if phenomenon. I could. <laughs> phenomenon is somehow a much more watchable film. Yeah, I don't know how that's possible, but what? Yeah, I would. I mean, again, it's really, really similar. It struck me watching it now that how similar it was to Edward Scissorhands. It's just like a pale, you know. A uh, person who's been segregated their whole life, adopted by some kindly woman, and introduced into society, and uh, yeah, falls in love with a beautiful girl, and bullies are bullies. The end. That's does he the movie. does he fall in love with a beautiful girl? Yeah, I don't know if he does. Well, Pop, I don't Pop, know. Pop, Pop, he smooches her or something. Yeah, he falls in love with that redhead girl that he talks to like two times, and then we're but supposed the character to is like he's been so shackled from society that i feel like he feels like just from the books he read that this is something i need to do to this woman i need to kiss her and then 10 minutes later we see him gazing at this man wringing a spuddy t-shirt all over his body honestly it's not even uh 10 minutes later it's like the next scene after that it actually it is like the next scene yeah Yeah, just like it's just him standing in a gym like looking and it's also not a sweaty shirt it's much more disturbingly weird than that because it's just like guy standing at a water fountain and then he puts his shirt in the water fountain and and wets it down and then rings it all over himself yeah like slow motion well i think like he's i i think we could probably say that he's probably sexually confused or something but like the film doesn't it has all of these like disparate feelings romantically where we think they're romantically but it doesn't explore any sort of tension there or any sort of um internal questions that he has it's just presented to us 
Yeah, I, I think this movie would have been a lot more interesting if Powder was because he was, you know, shut off from the world for most of his life. If he was trying to wrestle with his own sexuality and feelings and things like that. I think what it's supposed to be, and this is just a guess, I'm thinking he's supposed to be looking at this guy with long hair in the in the bathroom because he has body hair and Powder does not. Huh. So Powder's like, oh, I wish I had that. But because, you know, Captain Creepo is behind the camera. It, it but just, it's so it's really sexual. I don't know. Like, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like it's, it's like way he's too like – yeah, it's like an Herbal Essence commercial. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think – and the the other direction that I'm coming from with this too is I feel like the camera is more in love with these, <laughs> these naked male bodies than Powder is as a character. Sure. Uh, another great example is when uh, there's a storm a-coming, and if you haven't seen Powder, not only is he the smartest person on Earth, which is told to us explicitly, um, he is also capable of – like harnessing harnessing the power of electricity and magnetism somehow he's a little bit storm a little bit magneto anyway he goes outside and and powder shouldn't be outside in the storms because you know electricity and whatnot and so the the bully boys are mad at him and they take him outside and it's about to rain and they decide (laughs) to can can uh when coleman and i watched this it was on like a blu-ray rip and I think it must it must have been like the chapter titles. They would come up like as the new chapter started. Okay. Like at the bottom of the screen, like like a subtitle would. But it was just like you know one to three words. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think our favorite one was when the bullies were taking him out of the gym or whatever. And on the bottom of the screen, it just said bullies. <laughs> bullies. What do you do with them? Okay, so the bullies, they take him outside, and in classic bully fashion, they yes. uh, they rip off his shirt and his pants, and they pull his underwear down, they throw him in the mud. They, they kick him. There's a gratuitous shot of a boot hitting his left buttock. Yep, and then, of course, he falls in the mud, and the camera just immately, like, from behind, follows the butt. And, again, this is just another situation where... All that running where, down it. Yeah, all the mud running down the butt, old mud butt. And the bully is like... He, like, looks down at his crotch, and he's like, oh, you ain't got no hair down there even, or something like that. He's yeah, like, exactly. Like, it's, it's like he, he strips powder of his clothes just so he can be like, <laughs> I'm going to look at your penis. I look like Eddie Vedder. I'm a bully in powder. <laughs> he does look a lot like Eddie Vedder. A lot like Eddie Vedder, guys. But like old Eddie Vedder. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, well, yeah, so i don't know the whole the whole end of that movie i would say the last third of it doesn't make any sense no like how was this movie pitched like i don't know it's like victor salvo just wanted to make like a a, his play on like the problematic trope of the magic negro but got around that by making him albino or something it's right well there's even that funny line uh so we should mention that um the sheriff like the the sheriff like task force plays like a big part in this Mm-hmm. And who's they're completely tasked with taking care of powder. Um, <clears throat> and uh, Kevin Sorbo's dad says uh, to the um, other sheriff, he's like, oh, never thought this town would see a guy too white for you. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great, actually. It's probably my favorite line of the movie. Yeah. 
That's that's the. I think that might be the only high point. That was the only time I smiled at Powder, <laughs> which is kind of remarkable considering it has quite a charismatic cast of supporting characters. You have Ray Wise, you have Lance Henriksen, you have uh, Goldblum. Goldblum literally playing his character from Jurassic Park. It's just like. In a very limited fashion, too. Like, he only pops up for three or four scenes, but he's portrayed, or he's presented as this major character in the film. Yeah. Specifically in the, what I would argue is the Victor Salva uh, surrogate scene. Okay, what, what's Re- Reenacting his uh, interactions with the kid from oh, Clown House. Oh, the horrible static electricity hairs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ooh. When he's like, Powder, I can't believe nobody's touched you. You need to be touched. <laughs> Oh gosh! Yeah, and he just fondles his head for about twenty. What feels like a half hour. Oh, God, it feels He's like orgasming. A and then, yeah, uh, Coleman and I were talking about how twice when the hair goes up, it seems like very like euphemistic times. Oh, Jesus Christ! It, yeah. uh, I like God, how Goldblum. Selva's direction to like Steamburgeon and uh, Goldblum was seemingly just like give your best shit eating grin every time you're on screen. It's just like. I've never yeah. seen them be less charismatic. It's they're just yeah. out there grinning like fucking idiots. Yeah, Mary Seabergen. It, it just looks like I, I don't know. It's basically her character from like Back to the Future Three, except mm-hmm. yeah, replace all of her dialogue from that movie with a big toothy grin. And Goldblum when in Jurassic Park when he gives the the chaos theory speech with the you know <laughs> droplets of water just imagine all the stuttering that. yeah except it's about electricity and it goes on way too long and then other than that all he does is smile and mumble yeah there's a lot of characters a yeah. lot of characters you, you guys didn't even mention David Carradine <laughs> David Carradine's in here no what? Uh, no it's like did i, I go it, to the bathroom and miss a carotene promo no uh, i think it's eric roberts's dad oh uh i don't know what well, you know with this movie I, I i found myself just asking more questions than the movie was was willing to answer well and i think yeah. the, big, the big underlying issue is why isn't powder the coolest guy in school well uh, uh <clears throat> when you talk about questions like he's found and like we discover him the same time the characters in the town do really and he like his powers come out as like he's in school and you know just like a spider-man um and it's like what is what are his powers like there's no set of there's no set of limits or any sort of paradigm for his powers. So the whole time you're like, uh, can he, what all can he do? And then he does more and he's like, well, does that mean he can do this other stuff? Does that mean he has like complete power of the universe? Is he Yoda? And you never really know. At yeah. first you're, you're like, oh, he can move spoons and earrings. Mm-hmm. And, and keep in mind. And pants buckles. And pants buckles. But, oh, yeah. but not shirt oh, buckles. Yeah. And this is another Victor Salvo, you, 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 rearing pervert dream, trying to explain. Dream fulfillment? Stuff. Yeah, okay, so there's a part where powder becomes magnetized because, of course, and so metal things on the bullies start to move towards him. So, like, one kid has an earring, and the earring starts to move towards powder. And one of the, and one of the other kids is wearing a jean jacket, the Eddie Vedder looking kid. He's wearing a jean jacket clearly with metal buttons and then a pair of like Levi's. And so the camera follows the jean jacket down his chest. The buttons aren't moving. They're just there. And then it just like zeroes in on Eddie Vedder's crotch. And of course, it's crotch busting. Yeah. He's crotch busting for powder. 
It was like if uh, that cover of the Rolling Stones uh, album was <laughs> was uh, was a Harry Potter um, painting. Oh, God. <laughs> Which I, I wonder if that was the starting point for the script. It's like, how can I imagine? How can I just open boys' pants without my hands? With amazing magnetic electric powers and all the I, knowledge of the world. Can I read you guys this really? So when I was going through reviews, uh, I want to I read this very short or at least a part of this very short uh, uh, film review. Sure. Go ahead. Um, it's not by anybody who, um, has any sort of validation. I don't think, uh, I mean, he's got some like comments and stuff, but this is like, it's off a page called efilmcritic.com mm-hmm. and it looks like it's from, uh, like geo cities, oh, Jesus. <clears throat> but he has like, uh, recent reviews up anyway. Um, so this is, this is from 2003 and, uh, Tyler Ciorentino says decent film four stars um <laughs> okay so uh he says first of all i want to rant yes well, writer director salva was a pedophile who molested a kid once and suddenly people think they should condemn this film because of that whatever if orson wells was or if orson wells was the mass murderer would you condemn his films just because of what he did are we comparing the director just of as... powder to orson wells <laughs> Unless you think powder is crap just because Salva's a pedophile, you're saying no. Judge the film by merits, not by the crimes of the director. Jeez. So, story. Powder is an okay, blah, 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 synopsis. One of the film's strongest points is Salva's direction. Gasp, I said a pedophile did a good directing job on a film. May the hypocrite stone me to death. Salva is never manipulative and soppy. And keeps things subtle. Nice work. There is no subtlety. <laughs> another strong point. <laughs> another strong point is the acting. The guy who played Powder especially delivers a strong performance with naturalness and humanity and drama. I also like the cinematography. The thunderstorm scene was especially well shot. Screenplay solid as a redwood tree. A lesson on how to care and believe in characters. Oh Jesus! If I were going solid, I would have went with a teak tree myself. Here's here's his uh, so he has his his number like eight out of ten in bold, but it's accompanied by the line Ah, I'm being attacked with stones. Dies. Oh Jesus! <laughs> what a fucking asshole! He's Fuck about Sean Patrick Flannery though, who plays the titular Powder. I've never seen a guy so ripped be able to play somebody who looks so puny. Yeah, he spent <laughs> his life in a cellar. <laughs> just must have been all that farm work powder. Uh, yeah, yeah, it looks I, like he's been doing CrossFit for the last I 10 know, years of right? his life. <laughs> That's what he's been doing. <laughs> Fucking pull-ups in the barn. <laughs> okay, I and I'm glad you brought up reviews because Wait, wait, wait. That's we're, we're done with this one already? Oh no. Wait, we we got we got to talk some more about reviews. But this this is <laughs> I, I don't even know. Was this on Rotten Tomatoes? Is this like a real person? No, well, <clears throat> I found this um, on my favorite movie review aggre- aggregate site, moviereviewqueryengine.com. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, Lord. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad I'm glad he just made a point of that, too. Like, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, pedophile, like a pedophile. So sue me. Uh. God damn it. <laughs> 
Way to make the review about you being a pile of shit instead of the, how the movie's a pile of shit. And I like I like how like the Orson I've I forgot what the the law is called, like the internet comment law. It's like something like the Hitler law, like how many seconds it'll take before somebody um you know draws some like wild parallel to Hitler. Sure, sure. In in like film comment boards it's the same, but with Orson Welles. Well, maybe if Orson Welles was a convicted murderer and Citizen Kane was just like graphic shots of him uh, slicing <laughs> people open, then I might have a fucking problem. Yeah, with that. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that could be a problem. Except I think, like, I, I mean, I don't want to get into, like, you know, the hot topics if this is one or, or heavy hitting like political debates, but I would argue that molesting is probably worse than murdering. I, yeah, I mean it's it's up there. There, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to rank one or the other. No, uh, no, but but yeah, but it's I, it's pretty pretty not great. <laughs> well, you're you're damaging a soul that's going to continue on. Yeah, as opposed to just killing them, just ending it. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, if, I, if, <laughs> well, it's. I mean, I mean, maybe maybe what what I should say is it has a much more visceral reaction. It's like reading a story about rape is much different than reading a story about murder. More often for me, at least. Oh, I just because, yeah, it is like you have to imagine these people going on and dealing with these things. Sure, sure. I think because even the most rational person would sometimes think like, "Oh, I could kill that guy." You know, they don't do it. I don't think anybody ever thinks in their mind like, "Oh, I could like rape that person." Yeah, Ugh, I don't think it works that's like that. Not a thing. No, it's no, not a thing. No. Not a thing. And if it is a thing, it should not be a thing for you. So, <laughs> get help. Get help. Yeah. Hashtag uh, get help. That's the theme of this uh, podcast. Yes. And like Myro said, too, if yeah, if Orson Welles was a convicted murderer and he made a movie about, I don't know, yeah, like, you know, cutting someone fucking ear to ear, then I would have a problem with that. And going back to cannibal movies, um, when Cannibal Holocaust first came out in the 1970s, part of the whole shtick was it was shot and, and it was shot kind of like, you know, in a pseudo documentary style. So they tried to play it off like the movie really happened. And then the director had the actors go into hiding after they finished uh, shooting the movie and he wasn't going to let them come out until after they screened it. Well, the Italian authorities found out about this and they arrested him and they were like, what the fuck? You brought a bunch of people to the jungle and you literally murdered a bunch of animals and then videotaped these people being killed and eaten. And he was just like, Oh no, it's just a movie. But yeah, I actually did kill animals. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, if he had really murdered all those people, then uh, that would have been... I don't think I'd watch that movie. Yeah. What else were you going to say about reviews? Did you find some... Holy shit, man. Um, Well, my favorite spot to look for fun movie reviews is imdb.com or .net. I think it redirects. Uh, It's full of really smart people saying really smart things, like Bryce from North Orchard, Vancouver, Washington. I love that town. It's a, it's a beautiful place. Shout out like to North Orchard. Paris in the rain. That's right, baby. That's right. Uh, there are a lot of people on IMDb, IMDb that love, love powder. Like 10 out of 10, a masterpiece. Love it. And I do not know who these people are. I wish I could find one. And actually, I don't want to talk to them because they would infuriate me. Uh, so I'm not going to read you the whole thing. But I just, I just want to drop a couple choice lines from, you know. The, the powder reviews here. Uh, this one starts off with, this is from Bryce, of course. This one starts off with, it is rare that I see a movie as unforgettable and unpredictable as powder, 
which are unpredictable, like un- Jamie Foxx, just like Jamie Foxx. <laughs> I am not a man who is easily impressed with special effects. Affects actually is how we spell this. Special effects. But in this, this movie, the so affects always served a purpose instead of covering up the fact that there was no purpose. <laughs> oh God! Wait, say that again. Uh, this in this movie, the affects always served a purpose instead of covering up the fact that there was no purpose. Affects <laughs> uh, with an A, right? Affects with an A, absolutely. <laughs> the special affects. Yeah, um, like restart that guy's heart, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a purpose. <laughs> so, I mean, which sounded incredibly like Birdo in Super Mario Brothers Two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I were Vic- Victor Salvo, uh, Powder would restart my heart too. Mm-hmm. It's um, this this part's good too. In an age where movies have beca- become multiple scenes of graphic violence and corny excuses for stories, Powder is refreshing. Filled with the meaning of humanity and moved me to tears throughout the entire film. Isn't this like um, the very definition of a corny excuse for a story? Yes. And also, I, can, can you honestly picture someone just bawling uncontrollably, uh, uncontrollably from start to finish? At right. what point would would there be like what was meant to evoke? Oh, I guess there's the Lance Henriksen's dying wife scene. There yeah, or the the dead deer. I actually, I, I really, I laughed really hard when the deer got shot. Which may, now, <laughs> hold on, let me let me clarify, because the guy who looks like Senator Ted Cruz who shoots the deer, uh, the deputy, <laughs> Kevin Sorbo's dad's par- uh, partner. Yeah. Which side note. He's a deputy police officer, and he's in the woods hunting with guns and shit with a bunch of, like, orphan children, <laughs> like, reform school children. He's just giving them guns and running around the woods. Presumably off-season. Presumably off-season, as indicated by the dialogue. But when they kill the deer, he yells, oh, man, perfect shot, right through the heart. And you're like, what? <laughs> and, then they go, and then you see him leaning over the deer. He's like, yeah, right through the heart. Like, he just emphasizes that. And the camera pans down at this, like, animatronic deer that's like, I'm a dead deer. And clearly, there's just, like, a shitty bullet hole, like, <laughs> right through, like, the top of its neck. It's no... <laughs> and, and my favorite part of that is that, like, they keep cutting to the deer, jerking his head, going... <laughs> <laughs> and well, it's like, even, he paid even a lot for the deer the- robot. Well, he even justifies the shot like, oh, she don't feel nothing. It's just squirming because it's just the nerves dying. Yeah. Also, the deer it's looks fine. like complete shit. Its eyeballs yeah. are the size of a fucking eight ball. Or something. <laughs> it looks like it was at like a Chuck E. Cheese show. Um, I, I wanted to go back to that first review that you said, and I just I love when people qualify the review with uh, describing themselves. Yes. So you know where it, well, you know where it came from. You know, like, hey, you know what? I don't usually like stuff like this. That's what I guy. loved about Roger Ebert. He always said, like, hey, I'm just a guy who goes in movies a lot. I have glasses. I'm a little overweight. But here's what I think. <laughs> That's how he starts every single <laughs> That's one. That's why we all love Roger Ebert. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Hey, you know what? I don't usually like chick flicks, but Notting Hill, it's a good movie, man. Thumbs up. Hey, you, you might laugh at me, but I, I don't usually like this type of stuff. Hey, I'm not into this stuff. I'm not into it. But this stuff, uh, this stuff I'm into. It's like I Harry have, Knowles from Ain't It Cool News. Oh, gosh. It's like, you know, I'm a pile of shit who only likes garbage <laughs> so people click on my website. But I like this movie. 
I have a footnote from from a review that was pretty poor review of the film. Uh, but this is a weird footnote. It says, as a footnote, Powder had a campaign launched against it by various groups who tried to have it banned when it was found that director Salva had once been convicted of sexually molesting a 12-year-old boy. While one does not want to justify Salva's actions, it seemed an hysterical overreaction of people to try pun- to try punish someone who had served their time and prevent them from getting on with being a productive, honest citizen again. The controversy surrounding him aside, Salva is a highly promising genre talent. You know, in that story, I'm, I, I swear to God, like that definitely flew under the radar when this movie came out. And granted, I was maybe 10 or 11 when this movie came out. So I wasn't like that, like tech savvy. I wasn't reading the trades or whatever. But I feel like that's not something that was widely, widely reported. In fact, like if you go to the IMDb page for Powder, there's only two trivia items for this movie. And one of them, and one of the things I was thinking of while watching Powder uh, for the second time, I saw it once when I was like maybe 11 or 12, and just watching it again over the weekend, was that, you know, they have a pretty impressive cast. And it's like, why did they, I mean, other than money, it's a job. Like, why are they agreeing to do this for this guy? And it turns out that the cast and crew didn't know about Victor Salva's conviction until like halfway through production. Holy cow. And then they were kind of like, oh, we're a little worried. And apparently they're only worried because they had like brought their kids to set. Oh, Jesus. Which, I mean, is justifiable. But then it's like, oh, God, how did we not know about this? Well, carry on. Well, I don't understand this idea of being like, well, you know what? He served his time. He's trying to get on to be a productive, honest citizen again. He 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 was in jail for how long or prison for like how long? Five minutes. It, I, I honestly, I think it was a few months. I want to say think it was, it was three months, I, six months. I think it was fifteen to eighteen months. Yeah, fifteen months. Uh, fifteen yeah, months. Okay, fifteen months from a, like a five-year sentence for like doing that to a kid. That's ridiculous. I think he got off for good behavior. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> I've got <laughs> word choice. Uh I got, I got one more little review quip that I want to read. The people who write really positive powder reviews, they have this thing that they do where they think they're saying really profound shit, but they just sound like goddamn idiots, and it's incredible. Does this, this one start like, uh, look, guys, so I hate pedophiles, but... <laughs> but... It's like, no, I don't just... usually molest young boys, but... <laughs> <laughs> God, it's like a Dos Equis commercial going wrong. That was the uh, cover letter Victor Salva sent sent Disney to make powder. Mm-hmm. I can see that. That's a good way to lead. Uh, it's like okay. that the Mr. Show sketch where he has to go door to door saying he's convicted sex, of, sex offender. Uh, sex offending is my game, but insurance is a new game of mine. <laughs> right. I'm gonna I'm gonna read you the final line. Uh. of an Australian film review via IMDb. The IMDb. This is great. I kind of want to print this out and frame it. Even if you're a person who would prefer to sit down with a good book, as am I, <laughs> oh, the movie Powder is definitely worth your time. In conclusion, Powder is one of my favorite movies of all time. Seconded, in my opinion... Only to the Boondock Saints, also starring Sean Patrick Flannery. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What the Real hell is going on? 
a fanatic. <laughs> Wait, is that a published review or is He's that just a uh, That This is not a published review. It's okay, IMTB good. special. But 82 have, out of 108 uh, people that. found that review useful. Useful. <laughs> so, like, it, even if, even if you like to read a good book, sitting just, down. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Even if it's a very strange way to lead that sentence. Yes, that's, I don't understand. It's like, okay, even if you like watching football, uh, you might want to eat a cheeseburger every now and then. <laughs> every once in a while. The cor- yeah, yeah. Uh, have you guys heard of this Peaceful Warrior movie? I have no I idea. Is that the Nick Nolte movie that he did? Yes. Okay, so... Uh, this is 2006, and it's his return to inspirational drama. So uh, while we talk, whoever can should go to IMDb's page and look at the photos IMDb, so we can talk the about episode. them. What's that? It's IMDb the episode. <laughs> yeah. But uh, check, out the, check out the production photos and whatnot, uh, and we can talk about them whenever you guys get around to it because well, okay. they are interesting. It's just, it's I'm just doing it right now, to. actually. We're all typing. Let's okay. all type here. This is good. This is good well, radio. Well, you guys. know, in the meantime, can, can we like before we move on past powder to this next? Uh, uh, we never get past uh, chapter powder. in uh, Victor Salva's illustrious career. Like, I just want to, <laughs> I want to divest the film of its uh, yes. horrid uh, molestery overtones. But, um, like, what what the fuck is this movie about? Like, what even <laughs> happens? In, like, well, a it's a real clunk fest because if you want to do your bully plots, like why is the state of Texas like after Powder every time he tries to go somewhere? Yeah, that's that's what I was saying. Like it, it was like this is their only job. Like couldn't they condense this into like Mary Steenburgen adopts him and the bullies are at the school rather than yeah, us not knowing an anyone orphanage? at the school and having the bullies, bullies be at this uh, – state-run home that he's in for some bizarre reason were, were you and confused can't leave. When I, I, I was very, very confused because when he first gets to the reform school, the first thing they show is him like in the cafeteria at the reform school like eating, and I immediately thought, oh, they took him to school. This is school. And it, it took like another like 20 or 30 minutes before Mary Seymour was just like, would you like to go to school, Powder? And I was like, where the fuck has he been? What, what is he yeah, doing? Yeah, they did not make that very clear because I thought he was in school initially as well. Talk about unpredictable. He was, he was reading books, remember, for like the first. <laughs> There's like school and school too. And why the fuck would you write your movie this way? Well, yeah, I don't get it. I thought, I thought like after the first two things that were said to him, he kept saying, I read it in a book. I thought that was going to be like going on. I thought it was going to carry on like a like a SNL sketch for like 20 minutes. Oh, I read about that. It's like, yeah, there's an app for that. <laughs> He's an autodidact, folks. Also, what what the hell happens in the climax of this movie? Because I couldn't tell you. He, I don't have uh, any idea. He, I actually I watched energy, it twice, and I still don't understand. His well, energy goes uh, goes on to be a part of all of them. Well, I, and I would ar- actually argue, after watching the ending twice, that Powder getting struck by lightning, spoiler alert, powder getting struck by <laughs> lightning and, like, blasted into the ether is the least confusing thing about the end of Powder. Yes. So he goes back to his childhood home. Well, I mean, childhood is in, like, literally, like, a week ago in movie time, even though it's all boarded up and shit. He goes back. 
the in cops probate. show up and the teacher shows up and Mary Seaburger shows up and they're like, Powder, you gotta you gotta come back. And then he's like, Don't worry, Sheriff Lance Henriksen. Your wife isn't dead. She's here with all of us. And then he just kind of stares at him. And then somebody goes, Powder, if you're going to go, you got to go now. And he's like, okay. So he starts walking away. And I don't know where he's going. And then all of a sudden they all go, wait, Powder, we changed our minds. <laughs> and then they just start chasing Powder. after him. What is he doing? What are they doing? What do they want? What does he want? Well, well so they, my it, interpretation was that, that Goldblum and Steamburger intended to drive him somewhere. Fucking but where? That, where are you going to take him? I I don't know. Some place for the gifted or some shit. I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Maybe, Maybe it's like Louisiana Depository. Maybe Magneto Cell. It has, like, speaking of all of them showing up it, it and, like, finding those boys everywhere or, like, running into them in the woods and stuff, it has that real, like sitcom limitation thing where like you got five characters and so they got to be everywhere oh yeah it's it's definitely got that because the cops are everywhere i mean i understand it's a small town and everything but jesus christ and still like jeff goldblum's character still boggles my mind like why is he in that last sequence and he just yeah after not being in it for like 45 minutes Although feel, he did say like, to Powder, he's like, uh, but, uh, but, uh, ever since I touched you, uh, the sex is better. I mean, what did you do to me? Right. <laughs> oh, Jesus God. Fuck. So he's touching uh, for some more mojo. Yeah, this is this. That is an actual line from the movie. Uh, one, of, right. one of the many wonderful lines from this movie. Uh, yeah, I can only think that the teacher's role was initially a lot smaller. Like I, I could imagine a script existing where the Jeff Goldblum teacher character is just restricted pretty much to like the classroom and a few school scenes would have been played by David Paymer. Maybe sure. There you go. But then you get Goldblum on board and you're paying him Goldblum money at peak Goldblum bucks. Yeah. Goldblum bucks during (laughs) peak Goldblum. I mean, you got to use him more, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. Cause what? Yeah. 95 Christmas of 95. Wow. Oh yeah. Right yeah, I feel like you got to just like you you condense the the stupid reform school and the school. You condense Steenburgen and Goldblum, and uh, whatever the hell you're doing with this ET cops chasing after the the guy for no fucking reason. He seems to be like over sixteen. You think he could just go wherever the fuck he wants? What the hell is the state care? Yeah, and it's the state of Texas. I bet they're pretty and- uh, free and loose with that kind of shit. Yeah, they'd be like, get this fucking guy out of our town here. And he has, like, omnipresent powers, so he can probably do whatever he wants. But that's the thing. If he's a minor, technically, I think he's the state's responsibility if he doesn't have any more legal guardians present. So maybe that's why there's this – why they need to keep a hold of him in Texas. Maybe that's it. The other thing is, too, is everyone in this movie is a goddamn idiot, including Powder, even though we're told he's the smartest man in the world. Off the charts. Off the charts. I've never seen an IQ test like this. Um, like, so watch another movie. <laughs> everyone in this movie is too dumb to realize that the bald albino man with magical powers. With electrolysis. Electrolysis? Is that right? Yeah. Basically, Electrolysis. all these things keep happening. Like, you know, he's part psychic. He's. He can conduct electricity. He's a super genius. But everyone's just like, well, he's a special boy. But no one just is like, holy shit, this guy's like one of the fucking X-Men. This is crazy. No one ever does that. They're all just like, I don't know. And then Powder's an idiot because everyone's an asshole. 
and he's the smartest man in the world, and he's got magical lightning powers, and yet he can't just deal with people. He can't outsmart these idiots. Maybe everybody had saw Phenomenon before that he came to town. <laughs> they it's, knew. It's like you know, if you're making Edward Scissorhands, you gotta have you gotta have the turn where the whole town uh, you know turns against uh, this guy and and wants to lynch him, but. No, the, even though it's said in Backwoods, Texas, and reminds us every two minutes how backwoods these motherfuckers are. No, no one turns against him. They just kind of grovel. Yeah. And the bullies an accent, though. Yeah, the, the, yeah no, no southern accents. And Except the for maybe Mary Steenburgen. Completely unconvincing. Totally unconvincing as bullies. Like, they don't, they don't have any good, like, b- bully buildup or anything. They're just like, I don't know. They're just, just fucking assholes. Yeah, they're just dicks. Everybody in this movie is a dick. And even powders, I mean, isn't it kind of an inherently selfish act if you're like the most gifted and intelligent man on earth to just uh, blow yourself into a bunch of lightning particles or some bullshit? Yeah, it, it seems dressed like seems a like, 50s hipster. Mm-hmm. Seems like you could do some good for the world. Yeah, he looks like William S. Burroughs if he was a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> also, not a convincing albino. At no. all. Uh, the, the, well, especially are just if you watch like, the HD version, all you just see is caked on makeup. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. yeah, he looks like he like put his face in the pancake batter. And half yeah. the time, especially if you're watching Powder, don't watch Powder. What are you doing? <laughs> if you're watching Powder, especially if you're watching the high-definition transfer, which is like, I, what is it, 4K or something? It's it's a miracle. Uh, and, and Yeah, and I usually like these kinds of movies. <laughs> I usually like these kinds of movies about albino psychics. Uh, <laughs> if you look at Powder's hands while you watch Powder, you could tell that uh, he he was touching things throughout the filming of this movie. And the makeup is just – there's some scenes where from his fingertips to, like, his elbow, the makeup is just not there. Just not there at all. And it's so thick. He looks like he's about 50 years old. And, uh, yeah, uh, you could visibly see his sideburn at times, too. Like, it's like stubbly <laughs> growth going on there. Yeah, he, he just looks He looks like a, I don't know, like a cross between a hard-boiled egg and a scrotum. Uh, but certainly not an albino. <laughs> and when people are just like, oh, I've never, seen, I've never seen anything like it before. Oh, my God, it's so shocking. It's not. He's just like, oh, he's a little pasty. You know? Oh, yeah, and he conjures uh, amphibians as well. Mm-hmm. He does, yeah. He can he can talk to lizards. Um, well, I, I'm not Slytherin. sure what he can do and what he can't do. That's what, yeah. That's and that was big the movie, problem. at least from the outset, is very clear that it doesn't give a fuck um, in, in that regard. So one of the first things that they do is they're talking to Powder in the cellar when they discover him, and they're like, "Oh, well, don't you don't you ever go outside?" He's just like, "No, you know, I work on the farm at night, but then I have to go in before the sun comes up, otherwise the sun will hurt me." And then Powder proceeds to spend the entire movie like <laughs> outside in the fucking sun. Well, he has his fedora on. He does. Yeah, he, he does his have his contacts. fedora and his and his creep glasses and later contacts. Uh, but I don't think that's gonna you know protect his his milky white skin. Right. No, presumably not. He also sort of looks like one of the war boys from uh, Mad Max Fury Road, I think, yeah. just a little bit. <laughs> oh, Nicole. yeah. Yeah, without the, the sprayed-on silver yeah, mask. I, yeah. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I was going to say— That's uh, actually during... how the movie ends. Uh, powder yells, witness! And he sprays himself with more white powder, and then he gets hit with a lightning bolt. Um, I almost forgot uh, when I was talking about how the, uh, the um, chapter titles would pop up randomly— um, during the uh, 
uh, Jeff Goldblum, you need to be touched scene. One of the most oh. intensely disturbing scenes I've probably ever sat through. Um, like, ugh. anyway, uh, it just popped up friends. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, they forgot to put quotes around it. Parentheses <laughs> with benefits and parentheses. <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear powder. If anybody could have been flying the wall when Sean and I were watching this, by the way, just watching us like cringe in our respective corners of whatever chair we were sitting on. I was trying to yeah, sink into the couch. <laughs> Ugh. Well, because it's in turns uh, distressing and just uh, perplexing. Like, again, like there's that spoon scene that's just, I don't know what the fuck is that, that's bullying. <laughs> Hey, new kid, you know what you gotta do? Wear a fucking spoon on your nose. <laughs> like, what? No, you that, that's not want? the bullying part. The part that he wants is the second part. You better put a spoon <laughs> on your nose. Or, or shove it up your ass. Stick it in your butt. Wearing it up your butt. It's like, what? What the yeah, It's just like, what? What type of like first grade hazing is this? Uh, yeah, I don't guys, know. You know. This is a little bit of trivia. Brit not Daniel the... actually uh, named the band Spoon after this movie. Is that serious? <laughs> I wish it was. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Like, like, so they were trying to get a bullying thing or like a hazing initiative with a spoon, right? Because that was like what promote. Like that's that gets all of the electricity stuff going, the magnetism. Sure. But like, all he could think of was like, hey, 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 hey let's go, let's go mess with the new guy. <laughs> oh no, no, you're not gonna. Yeah, yep, gonna. Hey, man. You got to put this on your nose. Which then his friend proceeds to do it. And everybody just like gives a slight chuckle. So obviously it's not the worst thing in the world if, you know, Johnny Cool Orphan is doing it. And it seems like right around the time this was coming out, it was like a thing to do. Or at least for how old I was, like 10. Oh, yeah. I put many a spoon on my nose. It was fun. (laughs) Not in my butt. It's a fun thing to do at the dinner table. Yeah. Yeah. Grandpa get angry, though. His Yuri Geller spoon bending act, like inexplicably, all the spoons are just like totally coated in mashed potatoes too. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is all around. Some, I'm just confused. Maybe there's like some sort of like mercury in the mashed potatoes. It's possible. It's possible. It is an orphanage, or a boys' home, <laughs> or a, well, I don't know. Maybe it's the school. I'm not sure. I don't know anymore. Okay, <laughs> final words on powder, Sean. Powder. Should I watch it if I've never seen it? Is there a reason oh, don't to Don't watch, watch it alone. I, I am so happy I didn't have to watch it by myself. Don't, I don't watch it alone. No. It's... Oh, and I, I looked up your Peaceful Warrior Nick Nolte movie, and there's just a a guy, like, holding on to gymnast rings and a wife beater just, like, staring at me in the rain. <laughs> oh, that's one of them. Jesus. And then <laughs> Nick Nolte, Nolte, Nolte looks like Santa Victor Claus. Selva. <laughs> Nick Nolte is Santa Claus. <laughs> Oh, yeah, some, yeah. There's it some looks, salvaism here. Again, uh, with the, within context, it's uh, quite easy to uh, to read into the uh, production styles, the relationship between Nick Nolte and uh, the titular warrior. The titular peaceful warrior. That's disgusting. So, a Just no, a, yeah. a no yeah. for for powder. Uh, Steve Coleman. Your question, different question. Mm-hmm. Why do we watch this again? How do we get to this point? Well, I think this has often been sort of an in-joke 
with myself mm-hmm. and like whoever I'm hanging out with. If I've had a few cocktails where I'm just like, let's all go to my house and watch powder. <laughs> and that actually like stemmed from a friend of mine in Minneapolis who'd always use that as a joke. And I just remember thinking like, God, I haven't thought about that movie in years. And I didn't even know about the Victor Salva stuff. So, I mean, we've been talking about this for a while. It's just sort of like an inside joke between us. And I think that we knew that the anniversary was approaching and Powdercast seemed like a fun thing to name it a does. podcast it does after. It sound like a fun name. But, and it seemed <sighs> interesting to revisit. And um, I uh, was not only disappointed but greatly disturbed. And I'm like really upset. And I don't think I can ever use this as a, a borrowed punchline ever again. Yeah. Right. Fuck Powder. Fuck Victor Salvo. Myros, different question for you. Clown House or mid-90s Nickelodeon television show Roundhouse? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going Clown House. I can't can't get enough of that tree. (laughs) Tree as Cheezo. Tree as Cheezo. It's pretty charming. Has anyone ever played... A better Cheezo. I mean, people always talk about who's the best Bond. Was it Sean Connery? <laughs> uh, who was the best Cheezo? Because for yeah, my money, was, it's true. There, there was tree. some debate when we were watching it, right? Because there was like two Cheezos in the movie. There, there are like, multiple Cheezo. Regular Cheezo and like evil Cheezo. That's right. So, Myros, I take it you're more of an all that fan? Uh, no, I'm not much for the sketch comedy for kids. No. no. <laughs> I stick to the cartoon. What about what about that one where uh, you know they're on a cooking show and there's chocolate and that's the joke? Hey, and Chris Farley comes in and makes everything with ketchup. Yeah. Or how about that that one where uh, they uh, they there's two friends and they're friends and one of them likes orange soda and he and he likes to to tell you that that's that's the joke. <laughs> I think that might be a different show. <laughs> the joke the joke is that one of them is French and cooks. Yeah, that's 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 a joke. It's funny. It's funny. That's what comedy is. We all yeah. laugh. We laugh. We laugh. It's comedy. Well, I think I think the takeaway from this is that uh, we were all sort of like gearing up for a while to like really dig into this, and it was gonna we be were going to watch it. We, we yeah, and we were going to watch it like all together. Decided not to, uh, which would have been a fun experience. Well, I guess we did with Clown House. Not fun experience, but an interesting one. Um, and yeah, the takeaway is that it was not fun at all. No, Clown House. Not that fun. Powder, definitely not fun. It's super long. It's like two hours long. And then you're like, they don't really do a very good job of fleshing out this plot. So, yeah. Yeah, I looked like, at the clock uh, when we were watching it at like one twelve, thinking it was like one thirty-five, mm-hmm. And it, ugh, I just sighed, groaned. I just groaned audibly. Yeah, you, you're going to feel know. like you just watched like Seven Samurai nine times when you get to like the 45-minute <laughs> mark of this movie. And yeah, I, guess, I was pissed I, off when I hit play. I got to say, I was pretty furious. And I blamed Steve Cuff. I didn't know this was Coleman's fault. I just assumed this was a Steve Cuff uh, decision. Yeah, I, I take full responsibility. And I think that if I have any friends, specifically friends of mine in Minneapolis, where this is also sort of an inside joke, if you're listening to this and you think you should check this out again because you think it'd be fun or you think it'd be funny, you want to have a midnight screening of this while you're drunk, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. it. You're going to sober you up, and you're going to go to bed with crying fits and awful nightmares. Mm -hmm. I I threw out all the powder in my house after I I watched it. That's how upset I was. Uh, Steve, what are you putting over this week? 
This week, good segue, by the way, um, I'm putting over Powder's IMDb page where uh, one of the plot uh, keywords is kicked in the butt. <laughs> I just wanted to mention that. I wanted to make sure I got that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Also, check, the... check out the message board section, too, because if you if you dig deep enough, there's a lot of in-depth discussions by confused young men trying to come to terms with their own sexuality through Powder. It's just like, I just watched the shower scene from Powder again. Am I gay? Like I, I don't know, kid. You're gonna have to answer that yourself. <laughs> right. I watched it too. <laughs> we all watched it. Um, what did you mean? The drinking fountain shower? I, was there another yeah, shower? I don't know. <laughs> huh. Well, I guess um, legitimately, I'm gonna put over uh, Animal Kingdom Publishing. It's uh, Animal Kingdom Publishing, all one word. dot com. No relation to Disney's and Animal Kingdom. No relation. But uh, it's a. Uh, Sort of a serial of um, a collection of original comics and short stories from and poetry from uh, writers that it's based out of Philadelphia, but anybody from anywhere can submit work to Animal Kingdom Publishing, and um, they just recently released their third volume. Uh, you can buy it as a comic book or, I guess, a zine through their website. Uh, it's $14 a copy. Otherwise, I think it's $5 for the digital copy. And uh, there's some really good stuff in there, some really good uh, artwork, some sort of like graphic novel comic book artwork, and uh, some f- short fiction, short uh, nonfiction. Um, really cool. Really uh, highly recommend it. Brilliant. Beautiful. Mr. Glynis. What are you putting over this week? Uh, I found out about this really great podcast. Uh, it's called Serial. Uh, oh, the first season uh, came out um, <laughs> think, uh, this week. <laughs> um, I'm going to put over... Uh, Coleman and I went to see uh, Destroyer. Um, oh, yeah. Tuesday night, who, if you're not familiar, is a singer-songwriter. He's also part of New Pornographers here and there. Um, but we went to see him perform, uh, with his band for, uh, the most recent Destroyer album. And it was in this very tiny, uh, venue in Ferndale called The Loving Touch. And, uh, it was absolutely, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was absolutely in- incredible show. I can't believe they time. played there. Cause that's like, it's, it's basically a dive bar. I mean, yeah. it's a cool place to drink and sometimes yeah. there's local bands, but I, that's we were really the surprised when we walked in there. there. Yeah, and it was nice, like because well, we showed up like at at like five minutes before doors open, and there were like four people in line, and so we got like these primo seats because I'm sure like I, it seemed like most of the people that were there, like I'm sure lots of them are fans, but they were probably like in the area and like, oh yeah, we should probably go to this because it's fifteen bucks. Yeah, uh, but we were able to like sit right, like sit down whenever we wanted to, and still have like great seats, and it was it was just a great great time on all fronts. That's cool. That's really cool. Uh, Myros, what are you putting over this week? Well, I'm I'm the only one who's doing this. I, I didn't feel like putting any effort in, so I'm I'm putting over uh, Neil Breen's masterpiece, <laughs> Faithful <laughs> Findings, uh, Faithful which findings. managed to salvage our uh night of drinking way too much pumpkin beer and uh yeah talk about a movie uh, you might not want to get together with friends and watch powder because it's it's not funny but uh instead <laughs> instead pop in fateful findings and get ready to uh bust a gut yeah and, no and I, more I, books I, <laughs> and i agree and you know what i'm not usually a guy who likes to watch um <laughs> 
bad, bad, good, bad movies, but you know what? It's good. He's a, he's a Breen disciple. I'm glad you brought up Neil Breen, too, because this week, Breen Watch began. Uh, now, another podcast actually did an entire episode. They dedicated an episode to Fateful Findings, the Neil Breen movie. And my roast mentioned, because I didn't listen to this podcast, because fuck podcasts. Who listens to those? Uh, Myros mentioned that one of the guys on the podcast, he tried to buy the movie and then it just never showed up. Like Neil Breen never shipped it to him or something. So optimism vaccine Breen watch has begun. I gave Neil Breen money. Let's see if he sends me anything. Ooh. Ooh. Very exciting. Uh, too much. Way too much. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, we're, we're talking like, like criterion collection price. That's right. how much Neil Breen thinks his DVD is worth. Uh, yeah. Which so he's I like, because the dude on the other podcast, I believe, paid like 10 bucks. So he, he, you think he's just going in like every week and just upping it? He probably is. Because I definitely played, paid like twenty four ninety nine. Thank God I just got paid. Uh, which is too much for a lot of things. Most things. For physical media. <laughs> for most physical Well, you know, unless there's enough there to really justify it right i'm i'm excited to see like what what comes of the packaging a burn dvd in a paper sleeve that's what i'm, I'm it's gonna come here. with like a like an empty mcdonald's to go bag i'd be okay with that or if it's just like a plate of spinach in a broken laptop <laughs> i would actually love that <laughs> if he doesn't if he doesn't send it to me i'm gonna look up his address and i'm gonna smash my old laptop and send it to him and then just he'll get that from me Okay, well, I'm glad that you mentioned Neil Breen because I'm going to put over something that is also another classic good-bad movie, and it actually has gotten a Criterion-like treatment, and that is, of course, Manos, The Hands of Fate. Uh, If you're not familiar with that movie, it kind of became famous in the 80s and 90s from Mystery Science Theater 3000. It's a giant pile of shit that was shot by, like, an insurance salesman basically on a bet that he could make a movie for next to nothing. Uh, it's, it's a complete atrocity. The dub is horrible. But a couple years ago, somebody found a, like, a, the original negative, and they cleaned it up. And then I think it's Synapse Films, I want to say. They did like a 4K transfer of it. And there's a ton of special effects, some making of featurettes, interviews, all kinds of stuff. Full criterion treatment here. For a pile of garbage. So that comes out, I believe, this week. Man, well, you said pile of shit. I, am, I automatically thought of Salo. <laughs> Salo. Well, you know, I, that's got a Criterion release as well. <laughs> yeah, a literal pile of shit literal and Criterion. <laughs> Sometimes you got to eat a poop on a plate. Am I right? <laughs> and Steve Colvin, the final word is, of course, yours. <laughs> um, ouch. 